This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. LGBTIQ spoken word events from Australia and from around the world. I'm Dean and this is the Cheap Seats podcast edition. Thanks for joining me. In this podcast, we are in Oakland, California for the 26th annual National Poetry Slam, a competition event where poets from North America perform original work to a live audience. The poets perform with passion about topics and autobiographical themes close to their hearts. Topics range from the amusing to the challenging to the downright confronting. Some of the performers use strong language and express themes that you may find confronting. So if it sounds like that this isn't for you, maybe check out some of our other podcasts on our website at joy.org.au forward slash cheap seats. But if it does sound like it might be interesting, stick around and join me for the Poultry Slam on the Cheap Seats on Joy 94.9. National Poetry Slam, Akeem Jamal Rollins. In response to women who say men can't write about rape, you are wrong. Us not-so-fairer sex, hairy beasts with gruff voices and large limbs, the only thing we can safely have is aggression, is pummel and pain. I was five foot ten at 12 years old when I became a question mark. Is you? A boy or a girl? Why you walk like that? Why your butt so big? Why you so black? Your skin is haunted. You wanted it, right? You wanted it? Did I hurt you? Man, I hurt you, but women are the one in three, in four, in five, some one-handed statistic that doesn't tell our stories, that makes this the only thing you can claim as if it were childbearing, but I am an anomaly. Men can't get raped. Boys always wanted. Aggression is the only thing we safely have. Me, a cousin, three of my exes, a best friend, three of his exes, another best friend, an old poetry coach. This looks to be a really common, rare thing, but men always want it. Boys can't say no. Aggression, aggression. I am still a question. Did it happen when you were a kid? Oh, that's something else. Oh, other kids did it. Less molestation. Don't worry yet. You weren't a man, so you didn't lose anything. This is where I turned myself into a question mark. I wanted it right. I liked it. Did I say no and mean it? Did I mean it? I am six foot three, 240 pounds, dark and heavy as old soot. I'm a man now. This can't happen to me. Men are stronger. If it happened to me now, then I could not be stronger. Aaron. 
is a five foot three china cabinet of a man, an ex-lover, and in his mid-twenties when his no and stop were turned to foreplay and harder. What does that make him now? He cannot be a man. If it happened to this me now, what would I become? A boy's bones draped in a man's parade float skin? A monster? A failed excuse? Was mama's miscarriage a bullet that fired three years too early? Is it justified because I'm gay? Am I really gay? Or do I just get off on reliving my tragedies? Because women... Man must have done this. Women don't rape. Aunts aren't uncles. You stupid fool. Boys always wanted. Men wanted all the time. This is where I turned myself into an exclamation point. No. I didn't want it. But it happened. And I am here. We are not handfuls of coins tossed to some hungry fountains wet. No victim deserved the bolder burden of blame and then told we are an earthquake on a pebble, an over-exaggeration, only allowed to feel aggression. Now, women, look, I know you all lose so much, but this is not only yours now. I'm not trying to tell your stories. Just please stop telling me what my story isn't. National Poetry Slam, Christopher Stanley. There is a heavy, hands-trembling, eyes-wide-open moment that occurs between dinner and the last piece of molten lava fudge cake when two adults look into each other's eyes and decide to engage in coitus. (laughs) And if either of these adults are over 350 pounds, they are thinking of one thing. The bed frame. Four pieces of melted steel connected only by slender screws are expected to support this fat love, this rumbling love, this neither-of-us-ordered-the-salad love. Every, every fat person is an engineer when it comes to the dynamics of a box spring. If it's Ikea, we ain't fucking on that box spring. Particle board... Particle board doesn't prevent metal coils from skewering mattress tops while celebrating this large love like it was trying to interrupt this good love but failing to cease the spread of this extra cheese love. Like a MySpace photo album, angles are everything. One leg in the air, off the bed, two doughy bodies contorting into salted pretzels. Every fat person in a bedroom has the flexibility of a gymnast. Fat love is like nothing you see in magazines, on TV, or movies. We proudly rip these shirts off and fill the air with a skin only we are familiar with. Fat love is loud! A moaning metal frame knocking against the wall will make your neighbors check the front door because that sound can only mean emergency. Fat love is an emergency. Not enough hands grasp these folds of succulent flesh. No one knows how beautiful a consummation of bellies can be. The slow swell of stomach tumbling over bedsheets is like boulders igniting a fire that burns for hours. Fat love cannot be extinguished. Even in an air-conditioned room, our drenched skin stays stuck the second we melt into each other's palms. 
Everybody craves touch, just like every mouth craves salt. But there are too few that know to savor every inch of stretch. Their tongue washes over. Fat love is grateful for any collision of body. Every graze of fingers are in remembrance of the nights we sweat alone and dreamt our thighs were rubbing against anything other than ourselves. National Poetry Slam, Gabrielle Ramirez. On realizing I am black. One. What the fuck? Two. Born American, raised Dominican, found black. Found God. Found home. Three. You kidding me, right? I mean, don't you eat rice and beans every night? I mean, when was the last time you had some mac and cheese, some collard greens, and some neck bones? You know, speaking Spanish means you're Spanish. This means you're greedy. Would you like some neck bones? Along with the vertebrae of America's hung foundation fathers, ain't that what you wanted? To call African ancestors yours too? Afro-Latino, Taino-Indian? Are those drinks you Spanish people get during happy hour? Ha! Ain't no happy hour when the hands of your clock are shackled, dragged, but Tom being bullet hole bleed out countless moments, drowning your existence in alcohol. Try to forget that you were even born to when you are murdered every 28 hours. It's just another bump from a stranger on the sidewalk for... In Boston, I held the elevator door for every racist that I looked better than. I reached into my blazer. They grabbed their bags tighter. My hair grows as an afro. My grandfather would tell me, stop looking like a nigger. I tell him, I'm celebrating the way God made me. My grandfather smiled in the faces of my black friends like he had a lynch mob in his back pocket. His teeth, the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment, shredded into 36 different pieces of bigotry. Five. My grandfather died as the moon. I am not him. I am black and full of stars. I am not the absence of light. I am who allows light to exist. I am mother. I am Africa. Do not confuse me for hip-hop and rap. Those are my fraternal twin grandchildren who always asking for money. You remember Biggie? Pac? Pun, you see stars died and have come home to me. I am not ugly. I am who allows you to be beautiful now. Isn't that the blackest thing you've ever heard? God say.
National Poetry Slam, Jay Theo. Like the sweet was blessed with bitterness, and the day was blessed with the night, I was blessed with my twin tongue. I'm fighting a tradition that's been here centuries before I learned how to clench my fist. One which believes an eastern brown boy like I am fortunate to at least have a western upbringing since I wasn't lucky enough to be white. My family is proud of this long history of assimilation. This tradition, along with my resistance against it, has forked my tongue in two. And either tongue I carried was frail as they tangled and stretched to opposite directions working against each other. Speaking either language was a tug of war between word choices. See, I used to think in my mother tongue, Tagalog, when it was necessary to speak English. And many didn't realize that my words were lost in translation for my thoughts. I had clear ideas in my head and broken sentences to represent them. Uh, Please close the lights. I'll kill the lights. I mean, turn the lights off. Now my Tagalog became taglish, and common expressions were too shameful to use fully. Many of us who speak it pride ourselves with a taint of English our mother tongue is contaminated with. As if our self-worth increases when we're incapable of using sentences spoken purely in our tongue. Please turn off the lights, sis. ilaw in Tagalog. And we'd rather say, turn off the lights. I was afraid to give speeches, let alone carry a conversation with folks I just met. Ignorant fools thought the way I spoke was funny. They didn't understand like a migrant farm worker, my tongue did twice the work. It took twice as much just to say something. My speech had an identity crisis, a split personality. Words went above me. It was an unsettling storm, a hurricane of mispronunciations. My thick English accent struck ears like lightning. My conio taglish rolled off like thunder, trailed by a rain of mockery. An eye caught in the eye this chaos lost in both assimilation and resistance found a silver lining in the clouds. Poetry. A calling to cultivate my heritage into a force of nature. I spent countless lone nights reading and writing until my speech was clear as day. And my poetry in either tongue resembled the luminosity of the stars. Both finally strong enough to carry their own and mature enough to know how to work together. Like Chicanas and Pinais united in a farm worker's great strike. My twin tongue is a living protest reclaiming its rightful identity. My speech took twice the work. My poems now carry twice the legacy. Each time I utter a word, I'm Reminded of my indigenous tradition and my new world ambitions. You see, colonization didn't make me a victim. It made me a conqueror of oppression. I was blessed with the same weapons used to kill me. To breathe life back into my roots and use the emperor's tongue to decolonize the mind. The bitter distaste for my mother tongue is why I ferment grapes of wrath, ball them up, and serve my poetry sweet. So now when I speak, I ask. Please close the lights, but I turn off on lights so that my words may reflect the galaxy of profound struggles that comes from in the dark para may larawan ng salita ko ang dakilang pakikibang pinanggalingan sa kalawakan ng gabi and my twin tongue like lightning and thunder may be trailed by a rain of applause. National Poetry Slam, Jesse Parent. Little brother, look what they've done. For millennia, I have woven myself into humanity's dreams. Race comet like across our collective consciousnesses, basic as a circle, a hooked cross, a child of lines and busy hands, simple, recognizable. They call me swastika. And, and I was everywhere, even in the one place I wished I wasn't. 
Now I admit, I was jealous of you, little brother, and the star you rose up on for I was just a hooked cross glossed over on cracked clay pots and deerskin teepees hidden along with kisses on the collars of Chinese children, ironically, to protect them from evil spirits. All of Asia blended me into their backgrounds, Jainism, Buddhism, Hinduism. I could tell you where any temple was. A sun symbol, a heart seal, eternity. A minor celebrity on one continent, a child's absent doodle. On the rest, he took me west, little brother, told me to point right and lean, hold the pose, showed a bright white spotlight on me while I danced on a red carpet. They all waved at me, little brother. I got caught up in the rush to become a major celebrity. It was too late to turn back. They slaughtered each other under my hooked shadow, the smoke of their flesh darkening my form. I let them turn me into something horrible, simple, recognizable. Detestable. Humanity's dreams no longer idly trace my form. In innocent doodles, countless millennia may never wash away the stench on my lines, no matter which way I turn. A minor celebrity on one continent, a symbol of hatred on the rest, so many killed, while I waved over them, they're murderers, just to find themselves by the meaning they put into my shape. They killed for me. You don't have my hooks, little brother. We have the same parents, the same simplicity of lines. We have had different men who have defined us, even if we have both been worn by popes. My body count is well over six million, little brother. Pray they do not start counting up the ones that were killed for you. National Poetry Slam, Joel Francis. Before the 18th century, guns were made individually by a gunsmith. By the late 18th century, Eli Whitney proposed a new system, interchangeable parts. Guns made with standard parts so identical they will fit into any assembly of the same type. Easily broken, repaired, discarded, and replaced. It's time to clean up our streets. You see all the guns they leave behind, rotting in the sun, all those black guns spilling their gunpowder into the pavement, walking too close to white women. White women don't feel comfortable around guns, those big black guns, those tall, dark, and handguns waving high with hands that bend into trigger finger. We can't let our children play with guns. Any dream where little white boys and girls play with little black guns is more of a nightmare. We can't have these guns just walking into our gated communities. How are we supposed to jog without tripping on the bullets? It's illegal to be firearm without license. Guns should be asked for ID. Wouldn't you pull over every car you saw filled with guns? Wouldn't you stop every gun you saw just walking idly in the streets? What if your daughter went to college and brought home one of these guns, wouldn't you feel uncomfortable sharing your dinner table with that gun, that big black gun, that weed-smoking gun whose smile just means he's trigger-happy? Doesn't he make you nervous 
These guns are running rampant. I remember a time when there wasn't a single gun stupid enough to look a white man in the face. A time when we were hunters and we used to hang guns. It's time to remind the world that guns don't kill people. People holding guns by the neck kill people. Truth is, I don't know how... The truth is... I don't know how to feel about these interchangeable parts, these standard issue parts. Truth is, I've never seen a composite sketch or a surveillance photo that did not look like me, that would not land me in a that would not land me in a lineup with a witness being told just pick one. Even if you get it wrong, it's just one more gun off the street. See, toy cap guns. Toy cap guns used to be all black. They used to be a perfect plastic replica of a real revolver till the mid-90s. They decided to paint all cap guns orange. Dress a cap gun in orange and it's no longer a threat. That's why orange is the new black. We've got a prison system filled with toy cap guns. We are sick of these guns, so sick we turn blue. Boys in blue sick guns blow their noses at black, never blinking at skin. Must be this new thing going around, like our parts. Easily broken, repaired, discarded, and replaced. National Poetry Slam, Jonathan Mendoza. Biracial boy in social justice seminar is asked to join a racial affinity group, people of color or white. White boy does not want to infiltrate safe space for people of color. Brown boy does not want to keep white people from having honest, constructive dialogue. Biracial boy does not know what he is. Recalls posting a survey on Facebook in middle school asking how people categorized him, that it would determine his clothes, his music, how he spoke, Biracial boy wishes his skin came with an instruction manual. Brown boy tells white boy he should not identify as a person of color, that he can pass, that he should not appropriate a struggle that is not his. White boy tells brown boy he will not identify as white, erase the brown from his blood, will not be the one who finishes the colonization of his own body. White boy visits family in Mexico, realizes he's the whitest intruder since conquistadors. Brown boy goes to white synagogue, is in the only family not invited to the dinner party. Biracial boy is welcome everywhere. Biracial boy is not welcome everywhere. Biracial boy is tug of war, but biracial boy is both sets of hands pulling at each end. And biracial boy is sorry for this poem, for taking up space, does not know if it's his white self that's doing so, if it's even letting the brown self speak. White boy apologizes for his privilege. Brown boy resents white boy for taking up so much space with apologies. White boy says, I'm sorry. Brown boy says, you're doing it again. Brown boy hates his white. This legacy like shingles all over his face. White boy gone, but biracial boy. The brown family is still white. Still looks like coyote. Biracial boy is both the discolored sheep of each family and the dog that hunts it, wishes he were purebred and not a mutt. Brown boy asks white boy what it's like not to get profiled, to go to your cousin's wedding in Arizona and feel safe. White boy goes to white barbecue, meets white cop. White cop does not know boy is biracial, starts talking immigration policy. Brown boy screams, hides inside white skin, white skin silence, white skin shield, white boy's protector, white boy savior. 
crown boy does not need white savior strikes back at white self but biracial boy during Latino uprising does not know if he should sit down or speak up to which army society has drafted him biracial boy is tug of war but biracial boy is the rope is fraying cannot hold his cells together biracial boy hates being two different cells recalls it's the world that made him this way that splits him in half holds oppressor and oppressed insect and the boot and biracial boy is both of them thanks for listening to a joycast from joy 94.9